Matthew 28, this, and verses 18 and 19, uh, are, is our text for this morning. This is just typically, if you got your Bible out, you'll see there, this is called the Great Commission. This is no secret text. Darren hasn't like a, you know, gone through all of these things to find this really obscure text. This is, this is the, a banner text in Christianity and especially in the missions movement. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We'll read it and then I got just a few words on Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It reads like this. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Grass withers, flower fades, word of our God stands forever. I'm going to throw a number out to you. Two billion people. These are estimates. Two billion people out of a population of seven billion so you do the math two out of every seven people take a group of seven take your group of seven there nearby you and and then think of two two out of your group of seven this is the amount estimated who have no exposure globally to the gospel two billion people Do not know the name of Jesus. Two out of every seven, look around you. It's a startling number when you think about our American context, where, as Jeff pointed out, we have a church on every corner. We have Bibles that get used for a coffee table, like coasters. We we just have uh, just an abundance of information about Jesus, about the church, just scattered all around us. It's hard to conceive of people who you would share with them the basics of the gospel message, and then you'd ask them, have you ever heard this before? And they would say, no, I, no I've, I've never heard this. Two out of seven globally. This is not those who have plenty of access to Christianity, but have decided to reject it. We know those people who got exposure to the gospel, know the name of Jesus, but have just rejected it. These are people who will not, unless something changes who will not, unless something changes, have any opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel in their lifetime. No chance. What is the responsibility then of those who have been captured by this good news to those who have no concept and no exposure to the gospel? So this morning, just three questions I want to answer. What is the mission Why the mission? And how can we get involved in the mission? What is the mission? The mission, this Matthew 28, 18 and 19. This is this great commission. Jesus, all authority, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them all that I have commanded you, to observe all that I have commanded you. What is this mission? The first thing theologically that we see, this mission is done under the power of Jesus Christ. We've got to start with Jesus. Jesus, this mission is to be undertaken in full confidence that we have a Savior who has the authority and the the supremacy to get this done. Jesus has conquered sin and death. All authority is His. And so when we think about the mission we are never to a, for a second to not think of it as a mission that is empowered by Jesus himself. 
Jesus has stated, I will build my church. Jesus is at the center of this mission. He is at the center of it all. This is not a task that we are to accomplish to impress God as though we are to say, God, look at us. Look what we have done. No, this is to say God has done something for us and he is building his church and we have the privilege of him doing his work through us. We have the privilege of Christ doing his work through those who have been captured by the impressiveness of God, not in an effort to impress God. This is all done by the power of Jesus. But secondly, the task here is to make disciples. The heart here is for individuals, people, real people, like you, like me, not some concept of um, you know, bland people groups or whatever, though we can categorize them that way. These are, these are real people. The, the commission is not to go and change a culture. It's not to go and change governments. It's not to go do any of those things. It is to go and to make disciples, individual people. The gospel impacts individuals, real people. And the command is for everyone to hear. The task is to go. Some people emphasize the go. Actually, that's not the imperative of the sentence. It's as you are going, make disciples. Teaching, baptizing them. This is what a disciple is. It is one who has been baptized and who is then growing in their understanding of the gospel. The mission is this. It is empowered by Jesus. It is to make disciples. And it is to make disciples where? Of all nations. Okay? Verse 18, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It is everyone everywhere. Everyone, everywhere. This is not some mission that is to a certain few locations. This is to all nations. Is there an area? Is there an area where this gospel, this good news about Jesus is not to be shared? No. The gospel knows no boundaries. The Greek word there is is ethnos. It's not, the nations doesn't translate real well for us. We think nations and we think one of the 195 of the 193 of the United Nations, two other nations. There's 195 countries or whatever throughout the world. And we see nations and we think that. But actually, this is, this is a different word than what we think of geopolitical nation. It is ethnos, through which we get the word ethnicity. This is every, if you have a unique culture, a unique language within a certain country, you can have many different ethnicities, uh, people groups within countries. And this is kind of the idea that Jesus didn't know about geopolitical countries back then that we have now. He had no concept or he wasn't talking about the nation of America. If that was the mission, we've accomplished it because the gospel has a representation in all 195 countries. But he's speaking here that this gospel under the power of Jesus, would go to every individual everywhere. Every individual everywhere. This is the mission. The good news would spread into all the world and that everyone everywhere would have legitimate exposure to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This mission, the mission is to work at this until the return of Christ. And he'll return, and we see in Revelation chapter 7, 9, and 12, when he sets up this new heavens and this new earth. This is what Revelation records for us. After this, John is writing, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, 
clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The mission is from where we are now to that picture of the day when Christ returns, when there will be people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language bowing down before the throne, people from every tribe, every tongue, proclaiming the worthiness of our great God. This is the mission. Why the mission? Why this mission? If that's the mission, go make disciples, baptizing, teaching, and everyone, everywhere. Why? Why is why engage in this mission? And John Piper, in his little book, Let the Nations Be Glad, I encourage you to read it if you've got a chance. I should get some for the book table. Let the nations be glad. He makes this statement. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. What is the goal? Is the goal, and, and I love the stat, by the way. Nine churches, that's phenomenal. I do. Is the goal a checklist? We've done this. No. I mean, it's a fine thing to, to wrap, I'm, I'm, and it's something we should be encouraged by. The goal is what, though? The goal is worship, that people would know God and love him. That's the goal. Missions exist not so we can feel good about what we've done. Missions exist for the worship of God, that people would know this gospel and rejoice in it. The mission is that those who only know enough of God to condemn them to hell... And there's a lot of them out there. This two billion number have no, the only knowledge they have enough of God, they have just enough knowledge to condemn them to hell, is that they would then hear this good news of a Savior who has come to rescue them. We want to see people glad in their Creator God through the reconciling work of Jesus Christ, their Savior, empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. So why does the mission exist? For the worship of God and for their joy, and for their joy, for the worship of God, and for their joy. They are sinners, just like me, just like you, across this world. They are sinners, just like you and me, all deserving in their nature the wrath of God. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, wages of sin is death. They are all deserving of the wrath, just like we are. Wrath of God just like we are. But we know Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel, we have a good news that really does save. So this isn't just some, you know, for the worship of God to the expense of people. It's for the worship of God and for their joy that they could know a God who loves them so much that He sent His one and only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Missions exist because worship doesn't. We want people to worship God for God's glory and for their joy. The mission, go, make disciples, baptize, teach in all nations, everyone, everywhere. Why? For the worship of God and for their joy. And so then, how? Trying to fly through here. How? I, uh... How does this work out in our daily lives? I had a, a conversation with uh, a member of the church as we were working last uh, few weeks ago. We've been working through a section of Luke about a pretty tough section of deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Pretty tough call from our Savior. And uh, we sat down and, and the question they kind of asked was, you know, basically, 
does this mean that I should just go sell everything I have, give it to missions, and just go be homeless somewhere, or something along those lines? How does this work out? And I think it's a great question. You need to take time. If If what I've said is true, if this is the mission, to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing and teaching, if the mission is because God is worthy of worship and people's joy is found in Him and Him alone, what, how, how do we do this? Now, I have to be careful when I answer this question. I can't go too quickly here. Because the obvious, the obvious answer is we can't all do that. We can't all go liquidate uh, everything we own and then move to some other country. And I wouldn't say the Bible even prescribes that. But I don't want to just lead with that too quickly because maybe some of us need to think, is that what we should do? And I want us to sit with that. I want you to sit with that for a little while. What if you took five minutes and you thought, God, this is the mission that everyone would know his name, that everyone would worship God and glorify him for their own joy. The how, what if the how is you do something like that? I don't want to be the guy that quickly threw that aside and said, no, don't worry about that. That's not you. Maybe it is. And what is your response if it is? What is your response if it is? So I want you to sit with that because there may be some in here that God is calling into that sort of missionary uh, ministry where you would pick up and go preach the gospel to a people group. Maybe that is, and I want you to think about that. So yes, I think it'd be worth time for everyone to sit down and think on that. But that will not be the call for most of us. Uh, scripture, I think, definitely allows for, when you look at the epistles to the New Testament church, they were living lives with occupations there where they were. So then how? And I have four in our remaining time. Four practical... I'm trying to... Darren's, this is Darren's effort now. Theologic, theological side kind of work through. Brass tacks. How, Darren? How are we going to do this? First practical outworking of your desire to keep the Great Commission is this. Worship God yourself. Worship God yourself. Rejoice in Christ. Make sure the first practical outworking, do not be consumed with sending and things going on over there if it isn't going on right here. Does that make sense? Like, don't worry about the people in Vietnam treasuring Christ if you're sitting here and you don't. Everyone, everywhere includes, hello, you, me, us, worshiping Christ for who He is. Is your joy in the gospel? Don't hope for the joy, for their joy in the gospel somewhere over there if your joy is not in the gospel. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. The first implication, if you want to think about how do I get involved in missions, Love Jesus right where you are. Be raptured with the truths of the gospel that God sent His Son to live the righteous life you should have lived but didn't, to die the death that you deserve so that through repentance and faith you'd be forgiven of your sins, reconciled to this God, given eternal life, and promised a future of no sorrow, no sickness, and nothing but joy in His presence forever. Love that gospel. First practical implication. And if you don't hear any of the rest of these, I'm fine. Get that one. Because really, all the rest of these flow from that one. I don't think if you get that one, if you really see and rejoice in who Jesus is for you, the rest of these are going to flow out fine. 
get that one. Second one, though, is pray. And now it's become kind of um, trendy today when people on Twitter say praying for you, whatever. You know, what good is praying doing? That's not our attitude. Pray. Pray for these places. Pray for the movement. Pray for unreached peoples. And pray with those engaged in the work. This is not a pretend task. Luke, Jesus commands us in Luke 10 too, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray for people groups. It's why every week for the past year and a half in your bulletin, you've been given an unreached people group. That isn't because Darren likes to waste paper, likes to make K fill up the toner thing more often in the copier. That's not why I do that. I want you to take that home and have your heart broken for a people group. Pray for these people. Pray for them that their eyes would be open to the gospel, that God would send out workers to reach them. And also, don't just pray for them. Pray with those who are working. Sometimes I've heard reports of people overseas and working in difficult situations. Don't pray for me because they're afraid if you pray for them, you'll pray like for their safety, their security, and all these things. And they're saying, pray with us. Pray with us that the gospel would go out. So first, be caught up in the glory of the gospel yourself. Pray. I've got resources aplenty. If you want direction on how to pray for the movement of missions in the global world, you come see me. There's books and books and books to help direct you with this. Pray for, I don't know, Tom Heap Church in Vietnam and the other churches that are going on. Pray for these places. Be caught up in the gospel. Pray. Thirdly, go or sin. Go or sin. You might be called to go. That's what we discussed already. And if you're called to go, then go. But if you're not called to go, sin. Be involved in those who are working in these difficult places. That's why we're engaged with organizations like ICM. They are hard at work planting churches, raising up indigenous pastors making helping them be successful in their location for the spread of the gospel in places where you and i aren't going sin if you can't go we should sin they reach they can reach over with indigenous church churches there they can reach over barriers you and i can't reach that's why we planted this one in vietnam that's why the board voted we're actually going to help build another church in vietnam and one in thailand this coming year, the money's on the way to get these churches built up that the gospel would reach in places that we can't. Go or send. Go or send. It's why we gave money to a man working in Egypt, uh, Jordan, Yemen, in this region to train pastors. I can't mention his name. I was chatting with him on Facebook Messenger, and he said, hey, why don't you, if you want to talk about this stuff, why don't you email me? He's working in kind of dangerous places, that even my little piddly podcast, he doesn't want me to put his name out anywhere on the internet of this work that he's doing. Engaged, I haven't gone, we're not going, but we should send and support these people risking their lives to spread the gospel in their, in their regions. Um, at this point, you know, the, the, these peop- the, the resources are so limited. And we have to ask the question, why? How can the church be as rich as we see it is in America and other westernized nations, and yet there be so much underfunded work in this 1040 window. Let me share this quote with you to try to get you to thinking about where you can direct your sending. This quote from this book, Everyone Everywhere, I learned that when it comes to funding the work of sharing the good news about Jesus, 87% of the money goes for work among those already Christian. 87%. 
almost 90% of the money already going to those who already are Christian. 12% for work among those already evangelized but non-Christians. So that would be people who have exposure to the gospel but don't receive it. And 1% for work among unevangelized and unreached people. Only 0.1% of all Christian giving, all Christian giving, only 0.1% of all Christian giving is directed towards missionary efforts in the 38 least evangelized countries in the world, most of which are in the 1040 window. Fall in love with the gospel yourself. Pray and go or sin. Fall in love with the gospel. Pray, go or sin. There is a great need. And if you want to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission, you should go and you should give strategically to the areas of greatest need. And lastly, trying to get brass tacks, share the gospel yourself. Share the gospel yourself. Romans 10, 14 asks, how are they to believe if they've not heard? How are they to believe if they've not heard? Be engaged. If you want to be a part of the Great Commission in places like Vietnam, Thailand, Jordan, Yemen, Egypt, all these tough places, be engaged with the work in your own backyard. Be engaged with the work in your own backyard. Be a co-laborer. In all of these places in the 1040 window where we see these unreached people, sometimes the question is asked, what about my neighbor? You know, I look across the street. My neighbor's not going to church. Um, they're not going to church. I know they don't love the Bible. They're not into Jesus. They're, you know, what about all the unreached people right here? You know, we've got unreached. We're not full. We've got 1,600 people in this town, and they're not full. We've got unreached people right here. Aren't they unreached too? And the answer to that is no. You want to know why your neighbor isn't unreached? You want to know why no one in this community is unreached? Why your coworkers and why your relatives aren't unreached? You're there. You're there. You're the reacher. The reason why our neighbors here in Ringgold County and Mount Air aren't the unreached is because we are there. Ringgold County may have many who do not truly know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they are not unreached for the simple reason we're here. We're here. Don't pray for for Vietnam to reach their community with the gospel, for Thailand to reach community with its gospel. If we aren't caught up in love with the gospel ourselves, praying for the work Uh, and sharing it right here in our own context. The question is, if those who are present among them have boldness, the urgency and joy in Christ themselves to prepare them to share the good news in their people group, do we have it as well? Labor alongside, view them as fellow laborers. Labor alongside Christians in Indonesia, India, Bangladesh, Sudan, which is the lady I met at ICM Banquet, laboring in Sudan Sudan and wherever else, by seeking to faithfully proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ right where we are for the worship of his name for your neighbor's joy for your own joy for their joy and for the worship of the name of Christ Christ is calling Christ is calling yes for the work of the mission absolutely the great commission but at the heart that is an outflowing of his call to worship God and to find your joy in Him, and to pray that others would find their joy in Him and in Him alone. Let's pray. Father, my desire is that, yes, You would motivate us and and provoke us, God, to be about Your work in the world. Yes, following the example of, of Your Son, who said, as the Father has sent me, so send I You. 
Father, provoke us, convict us, inspire us, illuminate to us the reality of this great need. Yes, God, do that. God, do it all. Do it all by increasing our joy in you and our joy in the gospel. As we come to communion now, Father, and celebrate this broken body, this shed blood, God, I pray that we would have eyes to see hearts full of joy in who your Son is for us. This rescue that you have done for us, God, that it would be our one true source of joy. And that as we walk out of this place, God, it would be that, Father, may everyone everywhere across this globe worship you and know the joy that we know found only in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray these things. Amen.